I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Encarta on Hip Hop and then I'm on Twitter. I use Hip Hop Statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm to the fifth element and highlight the fifth element of Hip Hop, which is knowledge. And I like to say congratulations. Someone just like woke up and heard that this is the first thing that they heard. Charlie just saying that'd be a great day. Hey, if you start your day with the ITD, respect, honestly. Massive respect. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair fucking play. Hi, Ben. How's your week been? What did this week? Yeah, I've had a decent week actually. Um, let me see what I've listened to this week i've listened to quite a lot this week i actually got into a few things so i'm just gonna go top to bottom from the old new music friday list got jeezy's new joint i do not dislike any jeezy project snowfall from last year with dj drama is one of my most listened to projects in the last couple of years and this is quite long this one um it's interesting uh there's a bit of mental health talk on here as well you know jeezy's talking about some of the situations he's found himself in and how he's gotten out of them and yeah, look, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I don't mind when Jeezy slows it down a little bit. Obviously, he has a very specific sound, and he came into the game with a very specific sound, and it was very hype. It was very exciting. It was very fucking amazing. Um, but I haven't got it on my wall, but I've got seen it all um, which on vinyl, which I really enjoy, and that's a bit of a change of pace. And I wouldn't say this was a massive change of pace. It just wasn't like 10 hard-hitting tracks. You know, It kind of went in a lot of different directions, and... Yeah, I appreciated that from Jeezy. I, I enjoyed it. Like, if you if you're gonna go listen to it based on my recommendation, just remember I'm a bit of a bit of a stan. So um, I've got the blinders on. I don't actually know if it's good or not. I just like everything Jeezy does. So um, yeah, Lloyd Banks, Lloyd Banks, similar situation. No idea if it's any good or not. I just fucking love it. It is just like catnip to me, man. When I hear Lloyd Banks over this kind of production. I just listened to it over and over and over again. Some of the hooks were a bit of a, yeah, bit not so great. But again, some a lot of mental health talk from Lloyd Banks on this. He was uh, talking about kind of the situations he found himself in the, the 2000s and reflecting on his place in the game, um, what happened in the 2010s, his perspective on it, what happened a little bit with G-Unit. So this was, I felt like, he said something in here in on the album about not having a second wind but kind of having like a you know he was big back then and then he had a break and now he's big again in the sense of like he's peaked twice and how rare that is in hip-hop and kind of reflecting on where he wants to go and it did feel to me like he is recommitting to music this didn't feel like he's just dipping in for a couple of years and then leaving like i kind of feel like for example with nas we might not get another project for quite a long time i'm not certain that we're going to get another project because we got six in three years so it could be but i didn't get that impression from lloyd banks at all like i'm like i think he might continue drop music which i'm here for so i enjoyed that project a lot t grizzly dropped another project again another very stanny artist i i stand t grizzly the only time i don't like t grizzly is when he goes into the R&B bag, um, and this, there's two Chris Brown features on this album. Like, that's a cardinal sin. You can't have two Chris Brown features on your album ever. 
but specifically not in 2023. I, those are the biggest skips of the year for me thus far. Not only because he's a shit-tier human, but fuck, he's boring, bro. He is such a boring artist. He makes the same shit over and over again. But aside from that, T Grizzly, again, venomous at times. But, you know, he's in a different position in his life now. He's making a lot of money out of gaming. Um, and he's talking about that. He's talking about all sorts of different things. The thing I like about T Grizzly is he's going to tell you where he is in his life, what his perspective is. We're going to get some crazy storytelling on there as well. I, I genuinely think he's one of the best storytellers in the modern era. His last album, Chapters, bro, that shit was mad fucking intricate. I tried to listen to it while I was doing cardio. I couldn't because I kept like almost running off the road or into trees and shit because in my head I'm trying to think like what that character was in that song and what does that mean and that does that link up with that? I, I literally had to sit down with a fucking pen and just start writing shit down. So he just got all these different parts of his artistry and I just get really excited to hear new music from him because I just like hearing all these different diverse sounds. So yeah, man, I, I really, really respected that and enjoyed that from T Grizzly. Sony Digital, um, that was solid, man. I listened to it last night. I didn't really engage with it too much. I enjoyed it a lot. I think it was there's some good bangers on there. Alchemist, um, Alchemist has 58% of the lyrics on this EP. And, you know, I've heard Alchemist rap before. We've spoken about Alchemist duo albums on here. And I quite like him rapping. You know, sometimes you're like, is he going to be like a Jay Diller kind of situation? Are we going to get some like, but it's not like that. You know, he, he, it's really interesting hearing from producers that we know so well that are quite ubiquitous that we see all the time. You know, we see the, the word alchemist all the fucking time. Everyone knows when alchemist drops a project, it's fucking great, but we very rarely hear what he has to say. There's not huge interviews out there. There's not lots of quotes out there. So when he raps, it's, it's fascinating to me. I'm very curious as to the direction he's going in, what he's thinking about, like what his perspective on his success is. And we get that a little bit on here. So, you know, it's only four tracks and some instrumental. So it's, it's or five tracks maybe. So it's quite short. But, um, man, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, fuck, I got into a lot of albums this week. Um, Jason Martin, who is Problem, I think. I could be wrong on that, but someone said he, that it was. Jason Martin could be a producer, could be another rapper. I don't know. I didn't engage with it enough, and I apologize profusely if I fucked that up. But this was great, man. It got a little bit weird towards the end. The track that I put on Dopamine this week did not fit on the album at all. It did, like, but I reckon the first 10 songs is, is even like times when Problem slips into a two-part cadence on purpose, definitely on purpose. And that was a track with T.I. and T.I. does it too. And it was really fucking adept, man. Like it didn't feel like they were just being disrespectful or rude. And maybe I feel like it was on purpose. Maybe it wasn't on purpose, but it certainly sounded like to me because it just threw me out of the album. I'm like, oh shit, it's 96 again. Like it was great. And you know, it's just like West Coast G-Funk like smooth bangers on this project. It's really, really fucking good. I love, I love Problem. I'm a big Problem fan. Uh, let's see, Throne, T-H-R-O-N-E. Um, I've been talking to them quite a lot on Instagram for a while and I haven't fully tapped into a project yet, but bro, this is one of those, just put it on and just fucking chill out to it. This is a great fucking project. I'm not gonna say any more than just, it's a nice, calm vibe great bars, great beats, just go put it on and just see how you feel, but I do think you're going to like it. And finally, TK, TK Mides are dropped, and you know, I am a fucking TK stan, and I have been since Brontosaurus back in 2014, and fuck me, man, this album is 
really fucking good. Like really, really goddamn fucking good. I got home last night. I had a very, I had a great day yesterday, but it was, you know, quite anxiety provoking. It was quite an intense day. And I was not in a good mood last night, not in a good place. And I've been listening to the album since it dropped on Friday. And it just seems to just pick me up in different places and like pull me into like a nice mood. And I don't know, man, the endorphins started flowing after like track four. There are a lot of different sounds on here, but TK is so fucking adept over any kind of production. Like there's a lot of poppy stuff here, a lot of dancey stuff here. There's a bit of hip hoppy stuff here, some R&B stuff here, there's everything is here. And I'm, I'm always fascinated to see how TK uses her vocals and her cadences because she's clearly supremely adept. There is absolutely nothing here that I'm just like, oh, I think, I don't know. It doesn't sound like she pulled her out of her comfort zone there. Like, no, man, it's it's really exciting. Anytime I hear a TK project, I'm like, man. But I've, I fully recommend this. Isn't I don't think there's heaps of rapping on here. There's a little bit of rapping. Um, but it, it doesn't feel like that. I don't sit here and be like, oh, I don't know if she should rap that or she should rap more there or blah, blah, blah. It, does, it never, it feels very fluid. The whole album feels very fluid. It just feels like she goes where the, wherever the instrumental dictates. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm always going to recommend TK stuff. But I, I actually think this one, it, it gave me Planet Her vibes in the sense of like, it was just really fucking adept and it pulled you into a world of her creation and kept you there for the entire project. And I fucking love those kind of albums like Sgt. Pepper's, for example, Pet Sounds, uh, Chem Trails by Lana. There's a billion of them, but they're just fucking amazing. And I really do think this is an album I'm going to go back to regularly. So if you haven't ever checked out TK Minds, uh, please do so. Um, yeah, that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Yeah, so I began with uh, Sunny MF, uh, Hollywood. Uh, Lil EP, uh, female producer alert, uh, for uh, Tasha Couture, comes in for a few tracks um, of production, and yeah, it's solid, um, EP-ish length, uh, just over 15 minutes, uh, nine tracks, so yeah, you get plenty of variety, uh, but yeah, so just some just some solid modern, uh, kind of like trap beats, majority wise, uh, but yeah, good stuff on there. Uh, the Alchemist Fine High Part 2. Uh, not much to write home about on this one. Apart from Royal Hand, which is a tough track. Tough, tough, tough track. Um, the rest of them I can take or leave. You know, Turkish Link. I mean, a couple of these tracks have uh, Alchemist bars on here. Um, but yeah, you know, Action Bronson, Conway the Machine, uh, Currency on the last one, Paint Different. Uh, yeah, Paint Different. So it's what you expect. Um, if you know Alchemist, you know those eyes, you know you're going to get. Uh, All Day Breakfast Cafe, Have You Seen This Queen? Uh, love the title track on this one. Um, I love the whole whole album, to be honest. Um, it's very bouncy, plenty of energy, um, kind of like jungle adjacent uh, for those that are into jungle. Um, but yeah, it's got this uh, nice jazzy through line going through it as well. Really here for that, so that's uh, definitely up my alley. Uh, but yeah, man, really good, really good project. Uh, just uh, just under thirty minutes, uh, which oh, so dangerously in EP territory. Fuck's sake. Anyway, uh, Reservoir with Reservoir. It's actually spelled R S E A V O I R. Um, so yeah, that's <laughs> that's not how it's spelt, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but yeah, uh, this is a really good jazz project. Is they've actually. 
they've actually named um they actually had a project um of this nature before um called reservoir and i was just confused of like why is <laughs> why they got two albums named reservoir now um, and that's the artist's name as well, so it's just a bit weird, but anyway, it's fine. Um, but yes, yeah, a really, really chilled jazz album. I remember listening to their uh, first album, Re- uh, he said it again, Reservoir, because what's the point even saying <laughs> this point? Um, yeah, but their first album in 2019 was really good, really enjoyed that. Um, threatening the album list back then, and uh, this one is no different super chilled nice great jazz album shouts to those at international anthem uh Alyssa, the open the open-hearted um nice little r&b project here got a duckworth feature um on the front end really nice um but yeah uh, audacity uh, probably the most popular single out the bunch um it that that hits nice and uh yeah the whole project is just really tight really solid nice big temporary r&b just over 35 minutes Definitely worth something to get into. Uh, Toby with Panic. Uh, obviously, it's dropped a few weeks ago, but you know I was hearing people talk about it, so I was just like, fuck it, let's give it a spin. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I love Flatline with Kenny Mason. Love the beat on that. It was really, really different. Uh, fl- uh, Flowers with Marvy as well. Um, but yeah, I like someone I knew uh, at, the, at the beginning, and how that kind of wraps into how much longer at the end of it. Really enjoyed that. Just... Uh, just that bring bringing the bringing the the sound back at the back end of it, and uh, just you know s- full circle moment. I really enjoy that. So uh, yeah, man, solid project. Can't complain. Uh, TK Mides, Sweet Justice. Um, yeah, big fans over here at DITD of TK Mides. Um, I've um, I'm relatively I'm late to the game. Um, after getting into I think last year was weird. Volume twos when I started jumping in. Um, but regardless, um, big fan, um, she's actually here in London in a couple of weeks, um, so, um, if you guys, any of you guys are on that, uh, let me know, um, but yeah, love this album, really good, um, I was really just looking forward to seeing what she could do for an album, it, uh, as she's been, you know, dropping EPs a lot, um, it's always interesting to see how one goes from, uh goes from eps and you know making it into a full-fledged uh project and uh i think you know really good stuff here uh like ben said really bouncy great energy um nice uh changes in production just a little bit here and there but it still keeps that tone goes into kind of like an r&b stage halfway through uh in the in the in kind of like the middle but then it just gets up again with shit like free throws tough track, uh, Duckworth again on the feature actually, um, <laughs> I saw, I saw, tr- I saw the, the, the title for Ringling and, uh, brought me back to, uh, Black Eyed Peas and, uh, I'm happy to say it is better than that Ringling, um, it's a little bit different, that's not, that's not, that's not, not as good as not, Charlie's not rendition like... though, not as good as Charlie's <laughs> rendition, it? but then nothing is, yeah, how could it be? Yeah, how could it be? Uh, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Nice inside joke. Um, and lastly, uh, Mac Ayers, uh, comfortable enough. Shout out to uh, Caroline for putting me onto this one or battle. Well, telling me to listen to this and then uh, wanting to go to see him live. And then I was like, I haven't listened to Mac Ayers, um, so I'll give it a miss. And then she went to see Mac Ayers live and enjoyed herself. And then I s- sent a screenshot of me listening to it. And she was like, oh, so you're listening to him now. I'm just like, what, what do you want me to not listen to him now that I've missed the show? Um, but yes, this is from March. It's dropped in March. Um, but yeah, it's just over an hour. Just a stoked over an hour. 
And uh, I, th- I feel like it's probably a little bit too short for my liking. I feel like it could have been about 50 minutes. Um, but with that said, um, you know, boy, white boy got some soul, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I can't complain, can't complain. Some good stuff on here. Uh, really, really uh, introspective and uh, just some good production as well, I think. Um, some good guitar work in in, uh, in places and, uh, yeah, just a nice vibe. Just a nice uh, contemporary R&B vibe going on. So with that said, we shall hop into... Uh, Hip Hop Neighbors Volume 9, um, getting into projects that are hip hop adjacent, not technically hip hop, but they have that flavor in some fashion. Um, and I feel like the, <laughs> well, both of these albums have uh, definitely very different sounds uh, for obvious reasons. Um, I feel like there is a free line between the two of them, which is that they both represent um a key sound in their in their uh, time frames uh for better or worse <laughs> so with that said ben what do you want to begin with oh let's do post malone we're gonna do post malone so look if you know hip-hop numbers you know the war that i have been drawn into around the word rapper I do want to say for the record, I really do not care who is classed as a rapper and who isn't because all I ever really wanted to do was ensure that my statistics were as accurate as possible. Um, this is a little bit autobiographical, but I do think it's relevant because hip hop numbers existed a year before it ever made it onto Twitter and Instagram. And in that year, I was writing for Complex, Universal, Genius, Wall Street Journal. I was publishing my stats on Reddit and everything I was doing was being scrutinized because I was being paid for my work. So my work had to be accurate. Personal feelings about who is or isn't a rapper and who makes hip hop and who doesn't were entirely irrelevant and they have been irrelevant the entire time hip hop numbers has existed. And as someone entirely removed from the culture, it's not something that I have any authority to say anything on. So every time, you know, if you're listening to this and you've seen the conversations around it and you think that I'm the one who's like, Peso Plumo is a rapper, I don't care. It's just what they are. That's what they do. That's what they say in interviews. That's what their music is defined as by Billboard, by BT, by the Grammys. I don't care. I genuinely don't care. This is not for me to decide. And a lot of the decisions I made were were very difficult and they entailed you know, hours upon hours of research. I've written articles tracking the success of all the major genres, which meant that I had to categorize songs or albums into specific genres. None of that was my personal opinion. All of that just came from research. The first place I always went to was the artists themselves. And then I kind of slowly fanned out through press releases, streaming services, Wikipedia, Discogs. YouTube is a great resource because a lot of the time the record label will tag the genre that they consider it to be underneath. Bang. Easy. Done. Like, that's what the record label calls it. I don't... That's that's fine with me. It was long and arduous, but I was actually being scrutinized quite a lot um, by my editors... <coughs> by the people employing me so it was very necessary so we got the problem of post malone who i'm init- whom i initially included in my rap and hip-hop statistics because that was how he was marketed he was a hip-hop artist allegedly stony was marketed as a hip-hop album post malone was seen as the next big rapper here are the outlets who labeled it rap or hip-hop pitchfork wikipedia billboard hip-hop dx double xl anthony fantano you know there were very very few outlets claiming anything different now it was a bit of a stir in mid 2016 that really cemented my decision to include stony as a hip-hop album in all my analyses back then because why iverson 
Jackson dropped in 2015. It raced up the chart, landing at number 14 on the Hot 100. If you've never heard White Iverson before or of Post Malone, I mean, I'm not going to go down that path. It's just Wikipedia or him. Um, so when he when this when this song hit number 14. It's kind of led to him being signed with Republic Records, who evidently decided that Post Malone would best be marketed as a rapper. So here are his features for 2015. Chevy Woods, Key, 50 Cent, Gucci Mane. He barely does features, but in 2015 and 2016, they were all hip-hop. So the stage was set for a XXL freshman birth, but Post Malone dec declined to participate in the class of 2016, and on the 15th of June, 2016, Editor-in-Chief Vanessa Satin told The Breakfast Club, and I'm going to read the direct quote because this was a big thing back in, back in the mid-2010s. She said, We were told by his camp that he wasn't paying attention to hip-hop so much. He was going in more of a rock-pop country direction. We never even discussed playing any music. We never met on it. Once we heard that he wasn't really acknowledging hip-hop, especially when they were telling us we're going in a country direction, that's a message you really don't want to be in the hip-hop world. So we're just going to let it go. So obviously you're thinking, oh, yeah, well, then that makes sense because everything he's done post Stony has been less and less hip hop to the point where it's not hip hop at all. You wouldn't, if I don't call Post Malone a rapper at this point, people are like, yeah, fully agree. Um, but Post Malone came out, okay, he came out the very next day on Instagram and said, I didn't want to do the cover up because I was tired and didn't want to take the six hour flight to New York. From the horse's mouth, no, he said, she said, if you don't like me, politely fuck off. He then explicitly said, I have never once said that I'm not going to make hip hop anymore. So that made my job super easy. Everyone was calling this album hip hop. The artist himself was calling it hip hop. For analysis purposes, it is hip hop. But when we look back at the album seven years later, is it really a hip hop album? Because it's not really, especially in the context of what Post Malone has said in the aftermath and where he's gone since. And I don't think the future needs to define the past in every case, but Post Malone's actions and words in the aftermath of the album, and the fact that he spends just 15.6% of Stoney actually rapping, pushed the album straight out of hip hop to me and straight into pop. To me, he's just another pop artist who hopped on a couple of hip-hop beats because it was really fucking cool to do that in the mid-2010s. And then he ran that train as long as he could, and then he just moved on to the next thing. So in 2017, Post Malone decided to do an interview with Polish outlet New Once. He thought it was pertinent to warn his fans who are looking for real shit to stay away from hip-hop. Here's a direct quote, and I'll read the whole paragraph from Fader because it gives a bit of context. If you're looking for lyrics, if you're looking to cry, if you're looking to think about life, don't listen to hip hop, he said in a video interview, after joking that he had a lot of emotions because he's white. There's great hip hop songs where they talk about life and they spit real shit, but right now, there's not a lot of people talking about real shit. Whenever I wanna cry, whenever I wanna sit down and have a nice cry, I'll listen to some Bob Dylan. On a side note, fuck, I hate Bob Dylan, bro. I cannot stand that motherfucker's voice. Like, it grates my goddamn ears off like a cheese grater. Cannot listen to Bob Dylan. Refuse to. So, obviously, naturally, there was backlash after this. So, he jumped on Twitter to explain himself a little, which is always a mistake when maybe you're not really blessed with intelligence like Post Malone doesn't seem to be. And I think you'll agree with me when we get to the end of my section because some of the shit he says is really fucking stupid. So, he says... <laughs> he jumped on Twitter to explain himself. He says, what I was trying to say is, a lot of people, it's always a terrible thing when you have to start off with, what I was trying to say is, because you didn't say that, you said something completely different. But anyway, what I was trying to say is that a lot of people, except for a handful of artists, are saying the same shit. 
They're not saying anything super meaningful. My last hip-hop album was fucking hip-hop. My next hip-hop album is fucking hip-hop. I love hip-hop. I make hip-hop. I want to take this genre and stretch it so far that people who may not listen to it, listen to it. Okay, but this was washed away less than a year later when G, GQ sorry, GQ interviewed him and it totally tied him up in knots. Now, I'm going to talk about the album in a second, but I want to read this section because I think it's very pertinent. Now, I'm going to read the entire section from this. I definitely feel like there's a, this is Post Malone's words. I definitely feel like there's a struggle being a white rapper, but I don't want to be a rapper. I just want to be a person that makes music. I make music that I like and that I think kicks ass, that I think people who fuck with me as a person and as an artist will like, he sighs. So the interviewer says, do you see that it's political to be a black rapper? And he replies, yeah, yeah. I mean, dot, 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 shit. And so the interviewer says, and you also recognize that there are separate struggles that go along with race, right? And Post Malone replies, yeah, of course. So the interviewer then writes, as I watch him struggle with the question, struggle to find an answer that he believes, but one that he doesn't think will damage his brand or his relationship to his fans, something that might fit neatly within all of the numerous concerns of his label, his management, the publicity team, and his peers in the industry, here's what I realize. First, that it's impossible to find an answer that can satisfy everyone, which is 100% true. And second, that attempting to appease everyone is paradoxically what people don't like. I believe he's sincere. I don't know if he's wrestled with what it means to be black in America, but it seems to me that nobody's asked him to do that or held him accountable for that, at least not yet. And what that was 2017, and I would argue that no one has since at all, like six years the conversation around Post Malone and his, you know, dabbling in hip hop to get popular has, people don't talk about it anymore. And look, these aren't really difficult questions to answer. They really aren't. We talk about it all the time on the podcast. And I would argue anyone who's listened to any pivotal hip hop albums from the 80s and 90s would answer these questions very simply. Post's inability to answer them to me simply throws everything about Stoney's hip hop status into disarray. I'll explain that by talking about the music because the production list to me looks like a pop album trying to sound like a rap album. You know, I've got the usual suspects, Lewis Bell, Think Lord, Selena Gomez, Shawn Mendes, uh, Halsey, Five Seconds of Summer, Leon Thomas, um, Ariana Grande, Jessica Malboy. These are just pop, straight up Cody Simpson, Justin Bieber. Then we have DJ Mustard, Vinyls, Metro, Pharrell. In total, we have 35 production credits across 14 songs, which is 2.5 per song, which is very standard in the mid-2010s for a pop rap album, except for the fact that Post barely raps. And he does slip into some cadences every now and then. And I think Go Flex is quite a nice melodic rap track. I think he finds a nice pocket on Too Young as well. But mostly, I think it really defines what White Iverson actually was. We kind of thought it was a rapper with a solid singing voice and a great ear for melody. It was actually just a pop singer who dipped into the rap bag just long enough to capture that audience and then just disappear. And I think the album is fine. I do like the album. I don't think it's held back by genres or the production. I think he's an incredible vocalist. I've always felt that way about Post Malone. I think he's very, very adept at finding the melody and energy of any instrumental he's given. White Iverson to me doesn't really even stand out in the track list like you would expect. You know, it's the biggest song on the album. But to me, I think congratulations, you know, probably that's gotten bigger since White Iverson, obviously. Um, there's a lot of layered emotion, though, all across the track list. I think it's a very consistent album. I enjoy it quite a lot. And I think what he was beginning to perfect on this album was exactly what made a lot of melodic rap so brilliant in the mid-2010s. You know, it set a vibe. 
and it carried that throughout the entire album while well, still remaining interesting and engaging enough that you didn't drift off to sleep. I think he perfected that on Beer Bongs and Bentleys, and then obviously he abandoned that by Hollywood's Bleeding and Beyond. But on Stony, I feel like it's warm, it's inviting, it's kind of like posters bringing you into a safe place when you can experience emotions without fear of reprisal or criticism. I enjoy it. You know, I really like his first three albums, um, and I do think they sat hip-hop adjacent in a nice space, and I would feel much more comfortable with them if we didn't get told repeatedly that Post Malone was a rapper and hip hop artist for like two years by all the marketing people, all the labels, all this bullshit, I think those albums would stand up much better if we didn't have this stupid conversation around it, which I think was label constructed. I don't necessarily even think Post Malone, I mean, prior to Wild Iverson, he was not doing rap songs. He was doing country tracks. Like that's just what the fuck he was doing because he's a country artist. He's a pop artist. He's a, he's a rock artist. He's not he's never been a rapper. And you know, the, the track with Justin Bieber on Stoney is something that I would kind of hinge the episode on. Bieber is no stranger to hip-hop beats. Like most of his pop peers, he has sung over hip-hop instrumentals, even dropped a few bars here and there. He stole the show on Travis Scott's Maria I'm Drunk, I'm not gonna lie, fucking skated on that. Um, if you listen to that song, right, if you listen to Maria I'm Drunk, try and tell me there's any difference whatsoever between Post Malone and Justin Bieber, because there fucking isn't. Okay, Justin Bieber rapped on that song because he can rap. Like, okay, cool. Does that make him a rapper? Does that make him a hip-hop artist? No. So neither does Post Malone. Post's inability to articulate the difference in challenges between being a white rapper and being a black rapper or why hip-hop is inherently political, to me just signifies that his rapper tag was a label creation. It was just designed to sell records. But I do want to ask this question, though. I don't actually think it was necessary. Was it even necessary to do that? Did he need to be marketed as a hip-hop artist in order to gain a foothold in the game? Because we can clearly see now he doesn't make hip-hop or rap albums, and that hasn't been a question for a very long time, and he's incredibly successful because of that. And look, if we look at the pop albums from 2016, you got Adele, Gwen Stefani, Drake, Shawn Mendes, Lady Gaga, none of those artists were doing what Post Malone was. Maybe they were concerned he'd be pulled too close to The Weeknd, who dropped Starboy a week after Stoney and kind of set the world on fire, but they're completely different albums. So I don't, I don't know. But like, I don't know why they needed to try and convince us he's a hip hop artist. But I do think this album sits well in Neighbors as hip hop adjacent because it has a lot of hip hop production, there's a bit of rapping on it. And you know, that is where I think it will be in the future. I don't think people in 20 years time will look back and be like, oh yeah, Stoney was a hip hop album. They'd be like, oh yeah, it was a good album, man. It was it was a solid album. And that's what it was. And here I come to throw water over all of that. So you get coherent uh, research uh, from Ben and now you're just going to get existential ranty bullshit from me which so is what we strap love strap in ladies and gentlemen this is what we love strap the fuck in strap in right? prepare <laughs> so i actually wrote about this um in 2018 um when there was kind of like this deluge of um uh admittedly um females in the industry doing it um so you know beyonce on top of rihanna on like lemon and loyalty even taylor swift at one point um and i i was yeah exactly reputation and i was just um i I just felt the need to write about it because um i also read an article i think it was in the guardian at the same time that was you know they're kind of just um 
uh, set, a, set a light in my mind to actually write the article. Um, but it comes to it comes to this point of um, you know, rap being the wave, rap being pop, hip hop being pop music now, right? Um, and I said in I said literally at the start of the article, this will be you know in five to ten years, this will be a, co- a continuous conversation. It's twenty eighteen, twenty thirteen, pretty much fucking nailed it. I, would, I must say, so go me. Um, but yeah, I just. Uh, <laughs> I, I put in there, rap is the wave, and Ami Zayas that have no clout in rapping are going to do it simply because that is what people want these days. I don't want to hear about the evolving versus staying your lane argument. Singers like Swift are not rapping in the effort of evolving as an artist. They're doing it because they're riding the wave. Uh, with all this comes rap songwriters getting paid. If you consider rappers winning the writing rhymes for singers that have no place uh, to be rapping a, a bad thing, just remember that Pharrell and Michael made it were direct proponents of Miley Cyrus going off on a cultural appropriation thing a few years ago, and I didn't see anybody castrating them. So whatever you agree, so whether you agree with me about all this or not, just goes to show that this is all about money and never about the art form. Just like sex sells, it seems that rap sells now too. And I feel like it's, you know, very much the same here. Like you said, you know, you had Metro Boomin in the second track of this album. Mother on a beat, oh, like, why am I... So, I, <laughs> I was just like, oh, so we're just, we're just doing this. Okay, right. So, and, you know, I've always said, well, not always said, but I've said in recent years that um, gatekeeping's fine. Just, just... A, just a t- Gatekeeping? Can we get a smidge? Can we get a, can we get a crumb of gatekeeping, please? Just just a little bit. Just just a little bit. Hope you know. Just um, that's all I want. Because you get stuff like this. You get careers rocketing up like Post Malone's. Now we can litigate if Post Malone's a good artist. Some will say yes, and you know he doesn't. He's not my cup of tea. It is what it is. Um, you know. You can get you can get objective about it, saying like his vocals are good, he's a good songwriter, etc., etc. You know, fine by me. Whatever you want to, however you want to argue about it, go f- go for it. I probably won't be listening. <laughs> but the point is here is that he used hip hop to do it. Maybe not him specifically, like uh, like Ben said, and I kind of agree. You know, I feel like a lot of this was to, a lot of the argument was label invented, label uh, stoked the fan the the. The flames fanned were, well, the labels were behind those uh, those fan uh, flames being fanned. Um, I agree, but he still benefited from it. So, what are we doing? And I don't expect Post Malone to go down the route of like you know, oh I, I don't know, I've I've always been a rap fan or stuff like that. Uh, no, no, you just hear what you hear, bro. Right, I don't even know if he listens to hip hop like that. I don't know if he grew up on hip hop like that. But the thing is, the the further we go into this, the more the more grey that's gonna look. There's gonna be more Post Malones. There's gonna be more Justin Bieber's. Trust me on that. And it's wet. It's and it's up to you know the mainstream audience to actually um, whether they actually give a fuck about it or not. And, you know, that's just where the, that's obviously where the label power comes in, because a lot of people, sorry to say, are sheep. They hear a song on TikTok, they fuck with it. It is what it is, right? Nobody, nobody is their own tastemaker anymore. Um, And then there are tastemakers, and then they just basically 
tout the same shit or tout whatever the labels want them to tout, funny enough. So they ain't even independent tastemakers anymore. Um, they just uh, do it for the check, and that's fine. Do what you want to do. But again, just a crumb. Can we get just a crumb of gatekeeping? Just a tad? Because I feel like it's easily... Um, it just With just a little bit of that, we could, um, you know, have at least um, a coherent dialogue um, about these things. Um, about um, artists, not even I'm not even talking about white artists. I'm not even making it about race. I'm I'm, I'm saying artists that aren't hip hop um, benefiting from the space, benefiting from the sound. And obviously, like I said, hip hop is now pop now. So making that distinction is getting more and more grey. I.e., Justin Bieber, 15 years ago, he, he he came out 15 years ago at this point, like something like that, more than 10, that's for sure. At least 15 yeah, years 2009. ago. 2009, 2008, right? Exactly. So you know he's been around for 15 years. His first track had Ludacris on it. Okay, banger, what though. are we doing here? Bang. <laughs> his first banger, his first charter had fucking Ludacris. When on I was 13. It. I had my thirst love. <laughs> that shit was wild, bro. <laughs> Fuck you. That was 15 years ago, okay? And it's just going to get more grey. You think Post Malone's grey area at this point? Fuck me. Buckle up. There's going to be someone just... There's someone who's maybe like 10 years old right now. And in 15... Uh, in, in 15. In like 10 years, he's going to be popping the fuck off. Because he may or may not have heard some hip-hop. Um, he may have may not have made a track that is literally, as as as, as this episode is um, detailing, hip-hop adjacent. And la-di-da, the hip-hop. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's, it's just um, a bit jarring, to be honest. And obviously, this also gets into the conversation of labels, which obviously, again, is his own grey area of having... You know, labels and YouTube and this and that and metadata use and all this. Um, class people in that fashion. And, you know, when you go to the source, you're just like, okay, right, fine. They class it as hip-hop, so, we just, so everyone else is just going to say they're hip-hop. But if we actually, you know, fucking listen, um, oh shit, he ain't. Wow, crazy. Crazy how we could have avoided all of that. Um, if we just, you know, listen to the fucking thing, um, and actually not just go by a YouTube metadata, it is, it is what it is, I know why you do, Ben, because it makes your life easier, and that's fine, convenience is, you know, uh, is what it is, but, um, I don't know, uh, it's, 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 it gets to a point where you have artists like these, um, putting it loosely, sucking the teat, and, uh, and, and, you know, they, he don't care, He's got his career now. He's got his career on lock. He can do whatever he wants. He has the clout. He's made it to that. Sp- he's made it to that, uh, just above the middle class of music of musicians in America, where he can do whatever he wants now. He can do the rock album he's always wanted to fucking do since the day, since day one. Wonder why he didn't do it in the first place. Hmm. I wonder. Hmm. Really confusing how how he didn't do it in the beginning. And how I mean, he produced Why Iverson, did he not? Like he he did this, so there was some activity in that. I saw on the credits. I saw Post Malone on the producing on the producing front. So clearly there was some on his side. There was clearly some investment 
on making this sound or take or taking from this sound that is you know that is how we hear it we're just like you know the hip-hop hip-hop lights go off on our heads but like we said hip-hop is pop if everybody's going to use it if it's even hip-hop at that point that's a deeper question that we won't answer but he he invested in it and he succeeded from it well done he played the game <laughs> he played the game and he succeeded it is what it is i can't hate on that um i'm not going to hate the player but i'm damn sure going to hate the fucking game on that front because it's just, it's just, there's no gatekeeping. Um, there's no people. Uh, there's no entity that want to defend uh, the, uh, the 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 like not even defend the sound, so to speak. Because that's kind of hard to do. Um, people are just going to jump right in, and especially in the internet age, people can just do whatever the fuck they want, and that's fine, right? To the extent. Um, you know, like I said, for better or worse, and I genuinely mean for better or worse, there's going to be some artists that actually, you know, uh, uh, do do something along this line and maybe do it in good faith. I don't believe Post Malone did it in good faith. I don't. I definitely don't believe the uh, the, uh, the 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 labels did it in good faith. The album's fine. It is what it is. Um, like I said, it's a, it's an album that um, is of the time. Um, of a very contemporary piece of work um, and actually explains a lot about where American pop music was at that time and, you know, in some ways still is, uh, maybe with a little bit of evolution in the use of, you know, 80s pastiche and stuff like that um, in the mainstream now. But, hey, man, at that time, perfect, perfect fucking timing. Get mustard, get Metro booming. Just have that, just have that little, little hint. Just, just sprinkle a little bit of hip-hop on that. Just, just sprinkle a little bit of hip-hop on that. Put some melody on it. Put, spit, spit a few bars here and there. And you're good. You're good. That is the game. He played it. He won. And now he can do whatever the fuck he likes. My question is, why did he do in, didn't do it in the first place? But I think you know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah. It makes me sad. It does. You know, if I had pitched to any of my articles, oh, I'm not including Post Malone on this list, they'd be like, what? I'm like, well, you know, not a rapper. I'm like, well, not gonna pump, we're not going to run this article. Sorry, not going to get your money. You're being an idiot. You're being silly. You're not going to take, you're not going to take a stand. This is not the place for you to take this stand. So when I got hip hop numbers, I started taking the stand and you know, you've seen me get rinsed a lot of times on there, you know, even calling Doja Cat a rapper or, you know, just the, the non-Post Malone stuff where people are just like, what do you mean Post Malone's not a rapper? I'm like, well, he explicitly said he wasn't. And have you ever read the comments he's made about hip hop? I don't think he listens to hip hop at all. I think, you know, White Iverson had uh, French Montana and Ray Shremmett on the fucking remix, bro. Like at that point, the label's like, yep, we're going down this lane until this lane runs out and we hit a cul-de-sac and then we're going to fucking turn left into pop or country or rock or whatever the fuck works next. And it's sad. It's really sad. Um, it makes me really fucking angry when people, I don't know what the right word is, but they just use hip-hop to get popular when they have no fucking idea about it. You know, you see it all the time on Twitter people with hip-hop tour accounts who have no goddamn idea what the fuck they're talking about you ask them who the best punchline rapper of all time is and they say it's baby tron like bro no like please delete your account and maybe just talk about something you know about i don't know what you know about like pumpkin spice lattes or some shit like that talk about that shit bro don't talk about fucking hip-hop if you think baby tron 
is the third best punchline rapper of all time. It's really stupid. So anyway, it is what it is. Um, yeah, Post Malone. Outstanding. Uh, next album is my pick. Um, going uh, back to the good old days, the halcyon days of 1995 when I wasn't born. Ugh, bangers, bangers, um, <laughs> bangers. Bro, I love this era so fucking much, man. It's a um, DLC yeah, we yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and an era where, you know, um, I feel like in the essence of what Hip Hop Neighbours is, um, I feel like that this era of, you know, the early to mid-90s was just such a melting pot for um, that connection between Hip Hop and R&B um, to really just blossom and uh, create works such as this. Uh, the one-time album... Uh, from the duo of uh, Amo Lariu and Bryce Wilson, Groove Theory. Um, this is an album that uh, is firmly, firmly in the in the realm of R&B. You know, fits into a neo soul vibe as well. If you want to throw that in as well, but you know, in in the like in the world of Mary J. Blige's and Faith Evans's. Um, this one, this Groove Theory album fits right into that mold of that hip hop soul, um, that a lot of people love and miss dearly. Um, this is an album that I think is a very good, um, touchstone, especially production wise of just, um, the possibilities that, uh, the combination of hip hop and R&B can make. Um, Chris Wilson being the, um, um, you know, main, uh, I guess, main producer uh, element of this album and uh, his uh, past uh, before that was the uh, uh, dance electro hip hop group uh, man- uh, band, sorry, Mantronics. Um, and this is actually <laughs> Emil Larry's first project. I didn't realize um, she then started her own solo career after after the fact. Um, I wasn't actually aware of that until I looked it up. So um, big up sound with Larry U on that one, and you know even her as a as a as an R and B uh, vocalist, and you know in that very packed world of you know the likes of Aaliyah, um, Mary J Blige, like I said, um, Sade in some fashion, Ashanti at, at some point, um, and all of those lot. Amal Larry just is there, you know, just there, just right under, just right under, you know what I mean? Just this big hidden gem energy from her, from her I feel. Um, and I feel like, you know, Groove Fury is, while it did um, chart extremely well, um, top five on the Hot 100 and uh, R&B chart as well, um, that's, an, that's an incredible feat. Um, but there was only one album and... I feel listening back to this album is just such a taste of what was really just um, two two dominating genres um, just working together so fucking seamlessly. I listen to this album and it's so nice to have in the background. It's so good. So it's like um, it's like it's like a warm bowl of pho if you ever had uh, if you ever had the you know the legendary Vietnamese dish. Um, where you know you got your rice, got your rice noodles, maybe some meat in there, like a beef brisket, um, and just a warm broth. That's what it feels like. Just uh, some noodles, warm broth, banger, 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 banger. If you've had, if you've ever had pho, 
Um, even like something like Pad Thai, right? Just something like that, or something like uh, yeah, along those lines. If you have anything like that, this is what listening to a Groove the Groove Theory album uh, feels like to me personally. It just feels warm. Um, you pop it on the background. You hear Amalaria. Um, you hear that nice, soft, lightly tinged hip hop neo soul production, and it just hits so nice. Um, and I, you know, I I pick it for um, the reason that it's just a really fucking good album, and I feel like it has been kind of forgotten um, in the in the flower giving. Um, and, you know, obviously R and B has kind of uh, made its own personal comeback in recent years. Um, some would say like, "What well, would never came, never left," and I was like, "Well, yeah, well, it didn't." But then, like I like I've said before. Um, R&B was really, really good in in the 90s. Um, it's had multiple golden ages, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and tell you the 2000s was part of R&B's golden age. I'm just not. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna do that. Um, when Chris Brown is the top artist in that fashion and the artist that people think of the most, I'm just not gonna say that was the golden age. I'm sorry. It's not a golden age. Now, different story. Different story. So many good R&B artists going on right now, um, especially on the female front. And uh, to have, you know, the likes of Emma Larryu, um I find it weird me saying that, Larryu. Uh just, yeah, just a British voice, um, <laughs> having her um, it's continually just in this uh, middle ground of if you know, you know kind of artist, um, and I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hazard a guess and say Ben hasn't listened to Emma Larryu before this. I'm going to take a guess. That, he shakes his head. I'm correct. See what I mean? There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Nailed it. But yeah, Ben, I just wanted to know, obviously, you know, force on the album and the uh, that 90s perfection mixture of hip-hop and R&B that was around that time. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. This was when I was introduced to pretty much all music in the mid, mid-90s. TLC was one of my very first favorite acts uh, ever. Um, he had TLC on cassette at one point and I used to just rinse the fuck out of that so I'm listening to Groove Theory right the album and you know obviously first time I've ever heard it before in my head and Tell Me comes on and I'm just like this I've heard this before who are they ripping off like what? who's you know is this a TLC song TLC cadence because you know no I fucking of course I heard this song it charted I see where it charted in Australia um, number six in Australia, and this was just kind of when this era of R&B was just going absolutely global. I mean, even in the Pitchfork review for this album, they talked about uh, R&B being so ubiquitous in the early 90s, mid 90s. So many fucking amazing artists making amazing music that Madonna dipped into it and had, you know, actual R&B produced, which again, if you get like the biggest pop star here in the world again. Here here's our, again. we've got a nice little through line here we've got a nice little through line here um look i really enjoyed this project because uh it, to me it kind of highlighted what r&b was doing in the 90s which i really enjoyed because obviously pop music was finding its finding its sexuality let's put it that way you know the 80s was a bit of a liberation especially through madonna artists like madonna where you could say whatever the fuck you wanted as a woman and it was totally okay it was totally acceptable but unfortunately in the pop world obviously major labels came in and they're like hey we can objectify women now 
be more overtly sexual so we can capture the dumbass knuckle-dragging males who are just going to be like, oh, I want to fuck her, like the fucking loser dweebs. And so Pop went into a little bit of a, went a little bit too far, right? So I'm listening to Groove Theory, and this is what I loved about R&B back then. It's just very fucking earnest. It's very true. It's very authentic. It's very organic. And the thing I love about this record is I don't feel like I'm being preached to. I don't feel like I'm being uh, delivered something that a label has just created because they think I'm a male and I'm going to like it because, you know, I'm whatever, whatever. There's a lot of really heartfelt songs on here and a lot of like very mature and introspective lyrics and a lot of great reflections on love and relationships. Um, and it's just fucking smooth, man. It is such a lovely listen front to back. Her voice is incredible. Um, the production is is great. Like, it's really, really great. It sounds contemporary. It sounds like, you know, a lot of the music... You know, we talk about hip-hop a lot. Uh, obviously, we have a fucking hip-hop podcast. But we talk about hip-hop from that era a lot. And just kind of the leaps from, like... 93 to 94 you know or 94 to 95 95 90, these are big 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 steps like you can hear the difference in sound um i didn't ever felt that way with r&b i never felt like something that dropped in 95 couldn't sound fresh in 2010 like i was listening to groove theory and i'm like this could come out last decade this is really good the production was just great and actually uh the goal from the producer was to kill New Jack Swing apparently um, because he was obviously born in the whole battle rap thing and like you know very like you know adversarial in that sense you know so I don't know much about New Jack Swing I'm not the biggest but apparently the label wanted him to just create New Jack Swing because it was popular and apparently Teddy Riley was his muse so they wanted him to just basically copy him you know and he did not want to do that because why the fuck would you want to just do whatever the fuck the label tells you and i do like that it kind of sets it up differently to post malone in the sense of like post malone clearly just did whatever the label wanted him to do whereas groove theory was not that at all it didn't it never felt to me like oh shit i hear i am listening to another pop album that's dipping into all these different no it, it felt really authentic and it's really interesting that there's only one project I'd be very curious as to what the story around why they didn't create more because apparently um, he spent quite a lot of time looking for a vocalist, like quite a lot of time looking for someone to do this and she just came in and sung in his bathroom and apparently it was just so fucking, and again, this is just from doing a little bit of research, um, apparently it was so fucking amazing that he's just like, wow. And maybe they only caught that lightning in a bottle once, maybe they couldn't recreate it. I'm, I'm not 100% sure what happened after that. Uh, but it is such an anomaly because we talk about so many different artists from the 90s. We talk about D'Angelo, Mary J. Blige, TLC, uh, Tony Braxton. There's just a million artists that we can bring up. We don't bring up Groove Theory, but but why is that? I mean, it, it was very commercially successful, the album and the singles. I mean, they went worldwide. It's just one, I think it's a great pick because it's one of those ones where it's just like, why do more people not talk about it? It was quite a pivotal album in the mid-90s. And especially in terms of content, I thought it was quite progressive. I thought it was very progressive. Um, yeah, man, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I I didn't know what to expect, obviously. I was washing my car the other day when I was listening to it. And I was bopping around. I was having a great fucking time. It was really, really, it was it was an enjoyable experience. So I love this album. I, I really, really like this album. I might get it on cassette. Fuck it, man. I'm a big cassette thing now. So, no, nah, man, I, I, I enjoy it. I, I love it a lot. 
Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, definitely get that. And uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a very, it holds a very interesting place, I guess, in that in that era um, of having that just kind of hidden gem status, especially you know now. Um, I don't think in the same way Amal Larieu is a, as, as a soloist is um, you know very underrated. Um, I feel you know just one step further the groove theory in that in that one album just holds this mythical status I guess as well just having that one album just 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 a stosh over an hour long and you know like I said just listening to it is so buttery smooth uh, from track to track it's just nice they all they all fade out nicely into the next one just sequence very nicely yep, produces very produced very nicely um, Larry's performance is great, and it is literally just her. There's no features on that no. end. There's just literally just her and a beat. It's so simple, um, and I kind of missed that. I kind of missed that. I, mi- I miss the uh, not not that it was ever a thing, but you know, having that you know just one artist doing the thing, and all she's got is the beat behind her, and you know, there's no, there's no like a feature to do a duet with her or anything like that. Although, you know, there's obviously plenty of duets about that are great, but I do appreciate the fact that um, it was literally, you know, when you're listening to it, you t- it, it just sounds like it was one person and one person behind the boards and one person in front. Yeah. In front, <laughs> obviously, that's not the case. There's a team of people behind it. Um, I think there's another producer actually um, above, uh, along with Amel and uh, Daryl. I think the dude's name was Daryl, actually. There you go. (laughs) But yeah, uh, it was just, um, it's just a really, like you said, maybe lightning in a bottle, I guess. Um, And fuck, what kind of lightning is that shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, fuck, you know, imagine catching that shit. I'd die happy if I had the absolute just gem like that. And nothing else happens because, yeah, man, I, I could. Yeah, yeah, I, I respect I'd, I'd that. I'd die happy. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah, man, yeah, great man. album. No, I'm saying. Pick. All right, we'll leave it there. Uh, those are the hip hop neighbors. And with that said, we shall hop into our line note if you have anything, Ben. Uh, not really anything of note this week. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything. Nothing nothing interesting is I mean interesting things have happened to me, but they are uh, they're things that I may not share on the pod because they are, you know, slightly personal. But apart from that, yeah, not not heaps of uh interesting stuff has happened to me this week. Spill the life tea. Yeah, spill You'll the beans. Maybe I will at some point. I mean it's just dating uh, stuff. Like, I've been I've been back not to the old point. online dating stuff. It's um it's a very interesting experience, put it that way. Something that yep. I unfortunately have become an expert in because I've been doing it since 2017, and it's not my favorite thing in the world to do. But sometimes you meet some real gems, and uh, they really brighten your day. So shout out to the the people that have brightened my day in the last couple of months. Uh, I had a minor experience uh, where I was just like, if this was a different day, I'd be doing this. Where I went to a restaurant, shout out to my boy Ryan, went to a restaurant, um, and also just uh, other stuff in London, that we just uh, made a day of it, um, and there was this, like, bomb honey, just uh, uh, serving us, right, and the band was flowing, all good, in that moment, I was just like, yo, what you doing, like, <laughs> what are you doing, can't get your number saying like that, I feel like... I I just can't uh I can't do dating apps. I just uh I I I just I've read too much on just how they're even supposed to work 
which is basically just Facebook, but um, and the and the idea is always to keep you on. Yep. Um, they want you to keep dating. They don't actually want you to be in a relationship. No. Even Hinge, guys, even Hinge. Yeah, the they lie. That says, the app it. that's meant to be it's deleted. Like, that's bullshit. It's all, it's all bullshit. I've deleted all Hinge bullshit. a couple of times, but I've had to re-download yeah. that motherfucker. Uh, uh, a couple of times. <laughs> there you go. Right, exactly. Say so that you, you got it again. Exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. So, there you go. Um, it's all... It's, they're all just Facebook reskins. That's all they are. Like then they're, they're all like every other social media app. They're built to keep you on. They're built to just um, keep you on their platform. Um, it while some people live on Twitter, while some people live on IG or Reddit, some people live on Tinder. Crazy to think about, right? Um, and yeah, I just don't subscribe to that. But uh, the the thing I do subscribe to is just that. It is just that chance meeting of just seeing someone who's bomb and you're just like, you know what? Only live once kind of thing, right? <laughs> in that moment, I didn't do it. Um, but in another day, shit. Shit, I might go back to the restaurant at one point to see what's up. <laughs> just just yeah. when I'm in a better position. See what's up. See if she's, see if she's still working there. Who knows? Um, but yeah, man. I, I feel you on that front in terms of just... Uh, uh, what to pick? Um, but yeah, uh, or what what road to go down? Because obviously that's um, dating apps is the, I feel like the probably the main uh, way people do it these days. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's hard it's hard trying to find that spice uh, that spice uh, in real time when you're just doing something when you're at a show or whatever and you just kick it off with someone that that shit's hard. <laughs> It's it just hard, hard to even like uh, do when you're actually in the mood for it. Um, so yeah, it's just uh, it's just interesting. I and feel like, like on dating top apps. Of that, no go. Yeah, sorry. Exactly. No, no, no. I was just saying. On top of that, um, onto another thing is just uh, goes into the other thing I did that day, which was uh, networking. And I just oh yeah, oh, I just oh, I find it oh 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 just it's a weird taste on my mouth, man. I, I hate like, networking so much. Eee, 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 eee. I got asked like a question. Just really deep, and I was like, apparently, according to Ryan, I froze because I was just like, oh, yeah. "What the fuck is that question?" Um, it was basically one of those like, "Tell me about yourself" kind of questions. I'm just like, "That's too broad, bro. Come on, come on, you can do better than this." Like, you know what I mean? But she wanted a different name, and I was just like, "Uh, <laughs> it's so annoying, bro." But uh, yeah, man. But it's I don't know, man. Just uh, just like conversations you have with people on the day to day. Um, sometimes it's sometimes it's cool. And sometimes it uh, leaves you uh, going uh, um, for like a, a minute, so you know. Yeah, networking's life. not my um, it's not my favorite form of. Uh, I'm really bad at it. Like hip hop numbers would be so much bigger if I just was good at networking. But like you know, even for example, during South by Southwest, like I met lots of people, and a lot of it was due to my mental health. Like I couldn't engage past South by Southwest. But there were a lot of opportunities that I could have, you know, really pursued. But I'm just like, I could pursue this, but I would need to do another six months of networking to actually get to the point where this would actually be a thing. And I am not capable of doing that extra six months of networking. So it's just like, and I just don't enjoy it. It's like everyone's out to get something from each other. It's like you're meeting to figure out what that person holds that might be valuable to you. That's all it is. What can I extract Exactly. What can I manipulate you into doing for me or what can, you know what I mean? Like I've had a fair few Mm -hmm. meetings with people who are quite high up at record labels and it always feels just fucking nasty. The one exception who he's one of my closest friends now, but everyone else, 
you know, some of the name, I'm not going to rattle the names off because you would just be like, Ben's being a bit of a dick right now and a bit of an arrogant cunt. But I've had weird meetings at like fucking 4am in my kitchen with like very high up people and it just felt nasty and I just didn't enjoy it at all. And I don't know, It's maybe it's just, it's not for me, but I feel similarly about like, you know, with online dating, I remember I went to a concert a couple of years ago. Uh, it was Ruchi, Ruchi Sakamoto and Alvin Noto. Ruchi Sakamoto sadly passed away this year. Rest in peace. One of the greatest artists of all fucking time. And I'd been at this festival earlier in the day and there was this girl there and she was stunning. She was beautiful. And then she was at the Ruchi Sakamoto gig that night. And I was with my friend and my friend was like, you need to go up. She was by herself. My friend was like, you need to go up to her. Like, she's you've clearly got something in common. You like this incredible artist but I felt so uncomfortable going up to her at a random concert and I just came up with all these excuses in my head I'm like but she's gonna be maybe she'll feel cornered or maybe this will ruin the rest of her night like it was intermission it wasn't even like there was intermission between you know obviously um, we were at the opera house so like they have to have I think it's in the contract if you play at the opera house it has to be an intermission there was an intermission when I watched train at the opera house and I knew that because like they put the lights on and they hadn't played Drops of Jupiter yet. So everyone's just like, oh, so we've got to go out there, spend $40 on cheese, come back in and then listen to Drops of Jupiter. Like it was, it really pissed me off. But yeah, I, I felt uncomfortable going up to this, this, this woman and I, I didn't do it. I, I don't know. I feel like you choose a lane. I feel like you choose online dating or you choose doing it in the real world. And I think the people who choose doing it in the real world are significantly braver than I am because I fucking that's when i freeze i freeze i don't freeze in networking situations but i freeze in situations of dating especially when people come on to me really strongly it scares the shit out of me i get very overwhelmed and i'm like can you just like tone it down and i start running in the other direction I'm like this is really scaring me this is quite intense so i don't know man it's just, it's not my forte that one indeed yeah well there you go some social lessons uh, for you guys or just um i don't know social relations if you relate to any of that um uh, but yeah absolute fun fun on a bun socializing eh? Uh, fun on a bun. anyway <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we shall leave it there found the fifth end podcast network it's been digging digits hope you enjoyed this episode i'm a child taylor the fifth end oh shit Fifth Element, seventh birthday. Yes. This recording. Fuck, Didn't I saw that just then. We both blanked on it. God damn it. Fuck you. How do we forget that shit? <laughs> That's wicked. God damn. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, gosh. I was right. I was writing into my journal today and I was like, what's the date? Fifth of November. Oh, yeah. I was like, you oh, totally crept up on me. I was like, oh, shit. It's the seventh birthday. I was like, oh, damn. I, just, I felt like I had to write a science. So since I got my 5 EIG back and I'm just starting that again. I just wrote something kind of introductory, um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been seven years, and <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that, honestly, on that front, because it's just uh, I've 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 probably I say it every, I say it every week in some fashion, um, whether it's either on here or on what's good, it's just that you know I do this for you know personal education. I find it fun to do so, to, you know, doing everything and learning through the prism of um, hip-hop as a whole and listening to music uh, as a as a personal device, um, personal educational device. And, you know, everything else comes through, comes through those, uh, comes through that. And, you know, um, Fifth Element has been many things over the seven years. It was supposed to be a magazine at first. 
Um, but, you know, then I just did a blog and I just kept it at that because I enjoyed doing it and I enjoyed ranting. I don't, uh, I don't write articles as much as often as I used to. Um, you, you'd be lucky to get at least, uh, you know, uh, excluding the state of the hip hop union and, uh, end of year lists, you maybe get like one, one or two articles a year, um, that are not related to those, but you know, and obviously the podcast network as well, which, uh, is, uh, I mean, uh, in active shows is down to two now. Um, but you know, that's fine. That's all good. Um, you know, still, the, this is still thriving. Uh, what's good, still fun. Um, we've got a couple of interviews coming on that front um uh, for the ready for the hiatus and um yeah man i'm just in i'm just enjoying having this kind of decentralized brand that you know you were talking about uh not being good at networking i'm not good at social media at all i could if you know if i had all the time in my head if all the time in my in my in my life to like you know fully full on curate a page um it would be sick but I just, I, my, my, my other 5EIG died last year because IG just decided to lock me out and, you know, that was a bunch of shit on there. So, you know, if it, it just, it's so fleeting, you know what I mean? It could literally all just fuck off. So why curate, like, a page so heavy? Um, and also social media in general is just, you know, a cesspit. But I still, I still, you know, 5 is still here. It's still seven years old and, uh, yeah, so... Happy birthday to that me in some fashion, I guess, because it's only just me. But you know, I appreciate you know you Ben for being on the journey with me on that front. You're a big part of it. Yeah, I feel blessed. Um, and yeah, man, happy yeah seventh birthday shit. Seven happy years, seventh birthday, up. man. Happy seventh birthday, fifth element. We wouldn't have this shit. I wouldn't. You know how much shit I wouldn't know if we didn't have digging in the digits, like. Uh, you know, yeah, imagine if we just wrote a list of stuff we learned from doing I literally have it, bro. I've got it all on Google Docs. It's fucking mental. It's just like reams of information just about all these great. And then, like, the, the podcast, man, we've got like what 240 episodes or something crazy like that. It's just like, and that's gonna be a time capsule, it's gonna exist forever. Like, I think that's fucking sick. We could probably take your notes and just write a book on it. Potentially, I might do that one day yeah. when I get old. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. All right, there you go. If we have the time and the and the and the and the money, the and enough cannabis. Uh, yeah, enough cannabis. Uh, so yeah. Now, with that said, <laughs> from the seven years old fifth uh, fifth element and fifth element podcast network, inside that, this has been Digging Digital Chubby. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm a child Taylor of the Fifth Element. I've been Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. Oh, actually, by the way, another lighter note. Jesus Christ, this episode would never read. <laughs> Fucking J. Cole, bro, J. Cole mentioned me the other day and I didn't fucking bring it up. Because <laughs> I was going to use it as a soundbite. You know when I used to do these Irish oh. ad shit that just pissed Charlie off so much? That was fucking fun, yeah, man. Fun i got to go find that timestamp. J. Cole was just make, calling me a liar because I said that he charges $2,000 a word for a feature. And he, in the Yachty interview, he's like, that's a lot. That's not true. That's cap. And I'm like, well, you said it, J. Cole. Like, you that was said a it on wax. I'm like, you said it. What do you want me to do? So I'm going to go find that timestamp, and that is going to be my intro for the next 10 years. So there we go. Fair enough. Look forward to that. All right. All right. Peace. Fuck, Good. I fucked that up. <laughs> yeah, we could. My Just apologies. Can, finish? can yeah, we finish? Can finish. Uh, can finish. I think I'm good. You good? Yeah, right. I'm good. Cool. Yeah. We're all good. Hope you'll have a good week. We should always try and do the same. Anything? No? Until next time. 
Ah, cool. Like, take it easy, man. <laughs> All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Peace and Video Games by Bonus Points. Thanks to Chillhawk Music for the ability to use. Socials with Fetterman, Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chillhawk Music will be in the full show notes, as well as names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth film podcast and production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits.